We're going to read a scripture, but I'm just going to be a little bit different this morning if you allow me just to flow and just be me. I'm grateful for that liberty, but I want you to be okay with it. All right? Um, so so I, I will tell you, you know how Google Maps has this, uh, the marker, the Google Map marker. Uh, for me, spiritually, there's a Google Map marker in San Antonio, Texas, uh, at the, uh, the, the medical, uh, medical Service Corps training for captains. It was then that I believe God awakened this, this, this passion, this great revelation, um, this, this life work. I believe that's where I received this mantle, if you will. I was a captain in the career course, uh, and uh, the, the course was almost over, and the, the guy that uh, tells you what your next assignment is going to be was present on campus, and so I had my appointment, I go in there, and he says, so uh, Captain Stewart, you're going to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and I said, the devil in my mind. <laughs> like the devil is a lie. <laughs> I wasn't having it. I was not having it. I did not want to go to Fort Campbell for so many reasons that I took my liberty to tell him. And then I spent around on my spit shine combat boots. I thought I was something. And I walked out of that office and the Holy Spirit arrested me. He arrested me. And he says, you're going to Fort Campbell. I was like, that cannot be God, you know, that, because it's not what I want to do, so it can't be God. Hmm. But it was, I'm not standing here had I not obeyed. But, but the Lord says, you, you're, going to, you're going to Fort Campbell, and so I spent around, waited for the next opportunity, because I just showed out. Now I've got to go back in here and tell this man, okay, I'll go to Fort Campbell. And I did. I peeped back in there, and I'm thinking, I'm wondering, what is this guy, this crazy captain, I'm sure he was thinking. But I, I went back and I, I told the young man, I said, okay, I will, I will go to Fort Campbell, I'll take the assignment. And, and I, I call that moment a great awakening for me um, because it was the moment where God gave me this great revelation about him and his purpose for my life. And that revelation is still speaking to me 30 years later. Amen. Here's my question for you this morning. I'm gonna challenge you this morning, and, and I'm, I'm gonna encourage you that, that you're gonna have to unlearn some things that the world has taught you about purpose. But here's my question for you. What great revelation of God and his purpose is waiting for you on the other side of your obedience? Just think about that for just a moment. Just think about it for just a moment because, because one of the things that we are guilty of is underestimating the consequences of disobedience. We just underestimate it. We just blow it off like it's no big deal. But can I tell you that purpose is in the DNA of every step of obedience? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we resist and we disobey so much so that we no longer feel the tension of our resistance. And we think we're okay. But what revelation are you forfeiting? Whose life is not being impacted because you want to choose and do it your own way? Are you here? Yes. Disobedience. 
diminishes your spiritual sensitivity. The same voice, I said disobedience, diminishes your spiritual sensitivity. Are you hearing me? The same voice of correction is the same voice of instruction. So what happens is, we disobey God in the last 17 things that he said. We disobey. And now in the one thing that we need instruction, because we have disobeyed the voice of correction, it's hard to hear the voice of instruction. So we're living our lives without God-ordained strategies because we are desensitized as a result of disobedience. Are you here? We cannot afford, we cannot afford to diminish the importance of obedience. Amen. I hear you, I hear some ouches and I hear some oh my's and it's okay. It's okay, that same voice. Sometimes it's not the devil that's blocking the strategy for you. It's not the devil that's blocking your next step. Sometimes it's not the devil that's distorting your ability to hear. Sometimes it's the, chas- uh, the, 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 um, the callous that has been caused by disobedience. So where you once were sensitive and you could hear, disobedience has calloused your ears and you can't hear. Are you okay? You want me to continue? This great revelation, let me just give you some of the the, the things that has resonated in my heart and um, God has allowed me to capture them in the four principles that I put in the book. The first one is that purpose belongs to my creator, the author the originator, not me. So therefore, it's not mine. So I don't have to spend my time, spend my life worried about trying to figure out what God wants for me. I don't have to, listen, I have have experienced the greatest liberty that I've ever experienced in my life when I came to understand that I do not have to figure out purpose. I am not smart enough. I said I'm not smart enough and you don't have to figure it out either, amen. He also taught me that he had intentions for me and because of his intention that he wanted to be fulfilled in the earth, he chose me when I was in him, he chose me to introduce me into the earth to fulfill his intention. Say it again. So the Bible says that I was in him before I was a twinkle in my daddy's eye. I was in him. We're gonna go to Ephesians, the first chapter. I don't know if you believe me or not, so we gotta show you, I'll show you some Bible scriptures. First, uh, Ephesians, the first chapter, the the third through the fourth verse. And I'm gonna turn around and read it from the screen because I have a version and they have a version. My version is different from their version. So I don't want to confuse you, so I'm going to read it. So, so the Bible says, may blessings, praise, laudations, and eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual given by the Holy Spirit, every spiritual blessing given by the Holy Spirit, blessings in the heavenly realm. Verse 4. 
even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own. In Christ, when? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. That scripture says it all for me. The first thing is that I was blessed and chosen. So it is absolutely impossible for me to be a mistake. I was important then and I'm important now. It's impossible for me to be a mistake. You understand what I'm saying? That makes me walk different. I mean, I'm so serious. And it makes me treat you different because you were blessed and chosen as well. To be chosen means that after careful consideration, you were selected. So after careful consideration, he chose me in him in eternity to introduce me into time to fulfill his intention. You understand? Hallelujah. Listen, that thing make me feel different about myself. I am living with this revelation of purpose and it has changed everything about me. So what is purpose? Purpose is the intention of the originator, the creator, the author. And so what I've aimed to do in this book is to help you connect the dots through, through, through scriptures, through illustrations, and through personal stories. And I wanna make a distinction here. The difference between purpose and giftings and callings and assignments and anointings and special ability and skills and talents is that purpose encompasses all of that. And purpose encompasses relationships, the good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, the easy, the hard places, the losses, the victories, the failures. You understand? Jesus said it like this. Here, here's an illustration that I extracted from, from the life of Jesus. When Peter is having this conversation with Jesus and he's telling them what's next, Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. But when Judas encounters Jesus in the garden, he says, hello, my friend. Think about it. If it partners with my purpose, even if it's a hard thing, it's the right thing. Hallelujah. Sometimes, sometimes we, we just need a revelation of the importance of an enemy or the importance of a hard place. We have to know. Paul says it. All things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Not for everybody, just for those who are yielded, called, responding. Amen. Are you here? Hallelujah. So, so we're going we're gonna to just uh, challenge uh, uh, the, the ideology that the world has, has, has propagated, so, social uh, a culture, modern culture, well-meaning people have tried to, to define and, and lay out the pathway, the blueprint for purpose absent the counsel of the author. They say, if you can see it, you can be it. Amen. You, 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 you've heard that, right? You may have been guilty of saying that. I know I have. There was a song, I believe I could fly. 
if I can see it. You know, that's what they say. They say whatever you set your mind to do, do it. Yeah. They, they, they say if it's your passion, work hard at it. That's your purpose. But I'm going to tell you that, that we have to be willing to unlearn what modern culture and well-meaning people have, have taught us about, about purpose. In fact, we have echoed that to, even to our children. You know, we, we tell our kids, hey, you know, put your, put your mind to it, you can do it. And we tell them all those, those things and we echo that. I don't ever remember being taught as a child, God has a plan for your life. So be filled with the Spirit so that you can yield to the plan that he already has for you. I've never, I've never heard that message as a child. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So maybe, and I understand encouraging. I understand um, um, uh, speaking to your kids about their ambition and helping to direct their ambition. But could it be that our encouragement towards independence, excuse me, our encouragement towards independence is desensitizing them to the necessity of dependence. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Could it be that our encouragement to be all that you can be, do whatever your heart feels like you're supposed to do, could it be that we are, we, are, we are reinforcing the narrative of a counter kingdom culture and desensitizing them by encouraging independence instead of dependence on the Holy Spirit. I know that's different than anything that you have ever heard, but I am here this morning to challenge and awaken kingdom people to the kingdom approach to purpose. Are you ready for it? Are you here? Hallelujah. So, so, so before I jump into um, principle number one, I just want to, to share with you one of my prayers, um, constant prayer. My, my heart is postured to say, Lord, help me to live with the proper, proper perspective of who you are. Help me to live with the proper perspective of who you are. Because if I have the proper perspective of who he is, it's going to govern my character and my conduct. He's not my grandpa to spoil me and give me everything I want. Amen. He, he's, he's not my mentor to make recommendations and suggestions that I can decide if I'm going to follow them or not. Amen. He's not my bro or the man upstairs. Because it just hits different, right? No, 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 no. He is the author and the finisher. Amen. He is God, the creator of all that there is. Amen. And when you have the proper perspective of who he is now, we can have a conversation. Amen. So, so principle number one, principle number one, purpose is not what you spend your life searching for, but purpose is what you spend your life yielding to. Amen. I do not have to figure it out. I just need to yield so I can walk it out. Are you understanding? You're understanding what I'm saying to you? 
Go to Romans, the 12th chapter. Y'all still here? Romans, the 12th chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. If I could see the screen. Amen. Appeal to, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Let's pause right there, as a living sacrifice. What's the difference between a living sacrifice and a dead sacrifice? A living sacrifice makes an intentional decision to be a sacred presentation and refuses the liberty to step down off of the altar. I'll say it again. The difference between a living sacrifice and a dead sacrifice, the living sacrifice has the liberty to present themselves or not and they decide to do it and refuse to exercise the liberty not to. Are you understanding? God wants us to be a living sacrifice, intentionally presenting ourselves as a sacred offering. Are you hearing me? Verse two, verse two. Thank you, Jesus. Holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So then what that scripture is saying to me is that worship is the act of presenting myself as a sacred offering. It's more than a song. It's more than a genre. Worship is a presentation of myself. Are you understanding? Are you understanding? Hallelujah. So it's time, it's time for us to, to reevaluate and rethink what culture has taught us about purpose. Purpose is yielding, and yielding must be a lifestyle. So, so at my house, when we buy an electronic device, TV, whatever, or if we buy a piece of furniture that requires assembly, here's how the conversation goes. Honey, read those instructions and tell me what it says, because I'm not fitting to read them. You understand? You know, honey, honey, I'm depending on him to read the instructions, but there, there are some things that I do know about uh, instructions and, and things like that. Something called the manufacturer's uh, uh, default setting. Default setting. So, so, so the purpose of the default setting is to make sure that that device operates at optimal performance just as the manufacturer intended. Are you following and so, and so oftentimes, if, if there's a, a problem with the device, oftentimes the instruction is set, the, um, uh, back to, set it back to the default setting. Are you here? So for you and me, I, I love to tune us into what I call WIFM, what's in it for me. For you and me, the default setting for us is surrender. The intention of the author of our purpose was that our lives would be lived at the default setting of surrender. Are you understanding? Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? 
Surrender will ensure that my life renders the optimal performance just as he intended. So that means when I am not surrendered, I'm not at my optimal performance. When I'm not yielded, I'm not functioning at my optimal performance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Y'all for quiet in this holiness church this morning, but it's okay, it's okay. So, so surrender is the default setting and that is what God expects of me in order for him to carry out his intention for my life. It's not a struggle. It's not meant to be. Sometimes it's, it's decisions that you have to make, but I'm telling you, when God called me off of my, my real, real good job, when he called me off my real, real good job, like real, real good job, you understand what that means? Everybody know what that means? When he called me off my real, real good job, I tried to negotiate and I was like, mm, maybe I'll just take a leave of absence. When I tell you the struggle inside of me, the, the anguish of just thinking about being broke and you know, you know thinking about being broke um, and thinking about being broke. Um, <laughs> when I tell you torment, physical, mental, emotional, until I said yes. And the moment that I said yes, this is the honest to God truth. The moment I said yes, all the anguish was gone. All the anguish was gone because my yes obligates God. Hallelujah. I said my yes obligates it gives him access. It gives him the platform to do exactly what he intended to do. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Principle number two, purpose is the master and zeal is the servant. I said purpose is the master and zeal is the servant. Zeal outside of a relationship with Jesus is dangerous. Zeal will take you where purpose never intended for you to go. Zeal will give you goosebumps and a false positive. When I came off of active duty, just before I came off of active duty, premier, uh, I, I was the healthcare administrator at Blanchfield Army Community Hospital. And around about the time I was transitioning off of active duty, um, premier medical group was opening up in the city. And in my mind, I said, that's the job for me. I'm going to be an administrator of one of those premier medical group clinics. And so, so much so, I mean, everything in me said, that's the job for me. So one day, true story, I was standing in premier medical group and I was thinking about that thing. And I could see myself, I don't imagine. The more I meditated on the, the thought of seeing myself there, notice I didn't say more, I prayed about it. The more I imagined, notice I didn't say the more I prayed about it. The more I imagined myself being there, I was there as the administrator. So much so, I had goosebumps. You know the goosebumps. Until one day I'm driving, I remember the exact place. I was driving down 101st 
turning left on Peter's Mill, and the Holy Spirit said, stop praying about that job. I said, but I had goosebumps. <laughs> what am I gonna do with the goosebumps? He said, stop praying for that job. I have something better. He said, hallelujah, I don't know what he said. What he said. Zeal will produce physical manifestations and cause you to go in a direction fast and furious in the absence of counsel, out of step with God, going the wrong way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Zeal gave me a false positive. And had I not obeyed and listened, I would have forged God's signature and called it a blessing. You understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If zeal was a packaged product, it would have a caution label. It would read something like this. Caution. Only use this product in the context of a relationship with Jesus. Any other use of this product could produce results that jeopardizes God's intention in your life. Please use responsibly. My God, my God. Galatians 5.25, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's, there's, a, there's a drill and ceremony uh, movement. I, I used to love drill and ceremony. That's the only thing I miss about uh, being enlisted was the drill and ceremony. So, so before I became an officer, I had lots of opportunities to call cadence, right? And there's a movement, it's called a chain step. The whole, the whole purpose of the chain step is to get back in step. You understand? The Bible says, keep step. Now, I could just keep going, and, and, and it was obvious, especially during parades when someone didn't catch the chain step. You understand? So you got, you know, you got your, your formation, and folks are in step, and it's that one person. That's on the left when everybody else is on the right. <laughs> it's so obvious. But for us, the enemy is so subtle and sinister. Sometimes we can be in church and out of step. You understand what I'm saying? In, in church, but out of step. The Bible says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step, keep in step, with the spirit. I heard this illustration by um, Priscilla Schreier. It is going to help me uh, make my point. So in the 80s, Michael Jackson, y'all remember Michael Jackson? <laughs> Michael Jackson released the Thriller album. It's okay, we're not gonna show the video, it's okay. <laughs> but um, one of the songs in, on that album was Billie Jean. And if you remember the, the video, um, as Michael was stepping, the panels on the ground were lighting up. Y'all remember that? He's walking down the sidewalk talking about who Billie Jean is and who she ain't and what he did and didn't do. <laughs> and as he is stepping and singing, the panels are lighting up. But the story goes that Michael, during the production of that video, because he's magnificent, 
because he is one of the most amazing uh, 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 entertainers of all times. He's, he's skilled, he's gifted, all of those different things. Because he was all of that, he wanted to freestyle. And the producer warned him, he says, Michael, I know you're amazing. I'm imagining what it sounds like. Um, Michael, I know you're amazing and I know you're, you're awesome dancer and all of this, you're an amazing performer, but if you insist on freestyling, you will not see the final production and it will be a disaster and it will not be what we intended it to be if you insist on freestyling, you understand? Because the panels were pre-programmed, stay with me. The panels were pre-programmed and it required him to stay in step to achieve the director's intention. Are you following me? So, so for, you and my, for you and me, what's in it for you and me? Some of us are freestyling at life because we're amazing, we're zealous, we're smart, we're connected, we're resourceful. Amen. But we freestyle it. And if we insist on freestyling at life, our final production will not be what the Lord intended. Amen. Programmed in every step of obedience is purpose. And you're not smart enough to know if it's okay to, it's never okay, but you get what I'm saying because we rationalize stuff. It's never okay to, 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 to rationalize that this is such a small thing. It's going to be okay. Every act of obedience has purpose within its DNA. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. May we feel the weightiness of that reality and not live our lives freestyling because you may accomplish some amazing things. You may have an amazing job that God didn't give you, but you may have an amazing job because there's a difference between success and a blessing. It's too much for me to go into, but you may have an amazing job, make a lot of money. I had an amazing job. I had an amazing job. I had an amazing job. And I tell you what, that job is worthless if it keeps me out of step of his intention. Are you understanding? You may accomplish some things. People may know your name. You may travel the world and just, you know, uh, garner the applauses, the applauses of masses. But if you're not in step, it matters nothing. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Principle number three, are you ready? Principle number three, purpose must serve the king's pleasure. And I believe this, as we understand the absolute sovereignty of God, our carnal-minded theories about purpose will unravel. I had a guy tell me in, in uh, the foyer or between services, he says, um, I lead some type of resilience training and the letters for this, this training um, mean something, and the P stands for purpose. And he said, you just disrupted my whole business model. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, now I gotta figure out how to tie 
And you know, cause I, the, the stuff that I was telling them, what he was telling them was the counter kingdom perspective of purpose. And now he's got to rewire that thing. And I encouraged him. I said, listen, as long as you're not ashamed, he'll give you the strategy on how to do it. You know why? Because your yes obligates God. Hallelujah. Can we just give God some praise? Thank you, Father. My God, I'm going to say it again. As we understand the absolute sovereignty of God, our carnal perspective, uh, our carnal theories, about purpose will begin to unravel. We got to rethink some stuff. Amen. Amen. Luke, the fourth chapter. Purpose must serve the king's pleasure. The Bible says, but he said to them, I must preach the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other cities and towns also, for it was Excuse me, for I was sent for this purpose. My God. That's what it's all about. Building his kingdom. And he wants to first build it in us. The Bible says no one will be able to come and say, the kingdom is there, the kingdom is there, the kingdom is there. He says, because the kingdom is within you. And we understand that, that there's a kingdom in us that he wants to build and establish and fortify, but there is a kingdom to come. Well, guess what? How do we expect? The Bible says we will reign with him in his kingdom. How do we expect to reign with him when we refuse to allow him to reign in us? Amen. We want to go to heaven. We want, to, we want all of the promises of God without the conditions. It's only the love of God that's unconditional. The promises of God have expectations attached to them. And unfortunately, many, I, I tell you, I told the first service, I get a little bit of an attitude when non-believers, non-paper Bible believers start claiming the promises of God, but their life is, is, is nothing like reflecting what it looks like to be a Christ follower. How you gonna follow the devil and claim the, the, the benefits of my father? You don't get to do that. Either you come on this side and get the benefits or go about yourself, as Pastor would say. Go about yourself. If you, you get to choose, but you don't get to have the benefits of a daughter, the benefits of a son, without being willing to follow the protocol of the father. Amen. My God, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is the environment where Jesus is in authority in all things and everyone is subject to him. Amen. So the kingdom is the atmosphere everywhere, anywhere that God is in authority and everything and everyone is subject to him. So he wants his kingdom to be established in me so that my life is subject. To him, to his authority. Somebody asked me, they said, uh, I think it might have been um, Sharon. She said, well, what, where do you see yourself? What do you, you know, see yourself in a few years, I think, because she, she's retired and I feel, she's retired and I feel like she rushed me. 
I'm kidding. Just a little. But she says, where do you, because we used to travel and, and things. She says, where do you see yourself? I said, whatever the Lord says. That's not, that's not a, I really mean it with everything in me. I do not want to have a plan that I have desires, but I refuse. I cannot. I know too much now. You understand? And from this point forward, you are responsible for what God is revealing to you and how you're going to respond. Amen. But I shall not begin making plans without, the, without considering the counselor and what he wants from my life. Amen. Because I'm determined to live at the default setting so that I can perform at optimal performance so that the director, the, the manufacturer can get his intended results out of my life. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you encouraged this morning? Can we give God some praise? As I was studying, and, and I think this had been my mindset before I began studying um, about the kingdom, but if you were to ask someone, what was Jesus's main message? It wasn't love. It wasn't love. Jesus spoke more about the kingdom of God than anything else, and it's what got him crucified. It wasn't a message of love that got him crucified. It was a message of the kingdom, God's authority, and everything subject to him. And guess what? The message of the kingdom is going to get you crucified. Here's what I mean. The message of the kingdom is God is an authority. The Bible is the authority on this matter. This is what God says about this matter. God is the only God. That kind of message is going to get you crucified. You understand? Because counterculture perspective says there is more than one way to God, and if it feels good, do it. Amen. But I'm telling you that you making the decision to live yielded and be kingdom-minded about what God says about purpose and your life, people are going to talk you out of it. They're going to dog you. They're going to, you know, they're going to uh, judge you. You understand what I'm trying to say? So, so the moment that you um, um, receive this word and God starts dealing with you about the college that you decided that you're going to go to because it's the alma mater of your uncle and your auntie and your Aunt Betty and all those folks and then you show up at the family dinner and say, I'm not going to, to that college. I'm going to Africa for six months. Preach the message of the kingdom. You're going to get crucified. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Amen. Honey, the Lord has called me off my job, my six-figure job. The Lord has called me off my job. I'm grateful for my man of God that makes it easy for me to live on purpose. Because not one time did he say, yo, what we gonna do, girl? Not one time. Not one time did he look at me with concern in his eyes. Not one time. Thank you, baby, for making it easy to live on purpose. It's not a popular message. It wasn't then, and it isn't now. And it's going to get you some heat. Are you ready for the heat? Seven people are ready. That's all I need. Is, all I need is seven. That's all I need. 
Let's, let's go to this final scripture. I'm not going to get to the other principle, but it's okay. Let's go to this final scripture to help me to illustrate uh, this, this point that purpose must serve the king's pleasure. Going to Esther um, chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It's hard for me to read that screen, so ladies and gentlemen, I'm about, I'm about to read my screen, okay? Just going to have to be okay with it, baby. Just follow along as best as you can. So now, as for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her in as his own daughter, when her turn came to go into the king, she requested nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch and attendant, who was in charge of the women, advised. Let me pause there and give you a backstory for those you don't know. So Vashti done misbehaved to the point where the king is ready to replace her. You just gotta go read the story. So Vashti is getting replaced and the, these virgins uh, um, have been prepared. I want to say about 12 months they've been in preparation and now it's time for them to be uh, uh, presented to the king for him to make his choice, his selection as for, for uh, Vashti's replacement. And so all of, the, all of the, the virgins before Esther, they exercised their liberty to choose what they thought the king would be attracted to. They got to choose the adornment, the apparel, all the likes, the, the perfume, all of that. They, they had the liberty to choose and they exercised that liberty, but not Esther. And Esther found favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to the king, Ahasuerus, something like that to his royal palace in the 10th month, that is the month of Tibet, December, January, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king loved Esther more than all the other women. What was it about her? Rather than choosing what she thought the king would be pleased by, she asked someone, she consulted with the one who would know the heart of the king and what the king desired. Are you following me? So now the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she found favor and kindness with him more than all the other virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen in the place of Vashti. It's a type and shadow of you and I. Esther understood that the only way to give the king what he wanted was to ask the one who knew the heart of the king. And for you and I, we have the Holy Spirit. We can know God's will and we ought to want to know. Amen. Sometimes he will give you words. You can hang everything you got on those words and sometimes he leads you. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons. Well, guess what? Being led requires relationship. Disobedience diminishes the effectiveness of that relationship. Amen? So for you and I, we have the Holy Spirit. And he will reveal to us the heart of the king. And it's our responsibility 
to live our lives as living sacrifices, refusing to exercise our liberty to withhold or withdraw the presentation of our lives and be intentional, posturing our heart to hear, what are you saying? What do you want from me? Yes, whatever it is. My husband and I have been doing the 10-minute the challenge. It's been amazing for our marriage. How many of y'all have been doing the 10-minute challenge? Six people, well, look at there. So we've been doing... We've been doing the 10 minute challenge and one of the things that has become um, continuous, we, we say it each time, most of the time at the conclusion when we pray, we give you a fresh yes. In exchange for your new mercies, the Bible says he gives us new mercies every day. God, in, in exchange for your new mercy, I give you a fresh yes. Lead me. 